All right, new episode, a little bit late, as they always are. Uh, the long, long weekend that happened uh, for that public holiday, that's why. I, had, I worked on the Monday, because I only work the days I get paid. Thank you, capitalism. And then I had people over, uh, just to barbecue. Uh, because that's what it is, to me, it's a day off work. Let's get into it here. I figured I should probably just have less than ten articles. That makes for a, a good length episode. I had fifteen in last episode, uh, about five in the one before. Uh, so this is a follow-up from a previous episode. Ice Earth's John Schaefer arrested facing six charges related to Capitol Building riots. So there we go. Ice Earth founder and electric guitar player John Schaefer has been taken to custody and is facing six criminal charges relating to violent riot at the U.S. Capitol Building in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Schaefer was initially captured in a photo among a group of rioters who pushed past police to enter the Capitol Building at the at the time, lawmakers were convened in a joint session of Congress to count electoral college votes and certify President-elect Joe Biden's victory. Schaefer is reported to have turned himself in to authorities on January 17th. Wow, he turned himself in. What a fucking pussy. There are, there are cool reasons to get arrested by the FBI. This capital right is not one of them. And you can make it even less cool by turning yourself in. So... According to the field office, here are the six charges Schaefer faces. Not only entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority, disrupting the orderly conduct of government business, not only engages in an act of physical violence against any person or property in any restricted building or grounds, violent entry and disorderly conduct in the Capitol building, engage in an act of physical violence in a Capitol building, parade, demonstrate, or picket in a Capitol building. Hmm... I sure don't like that last one, no matter who it's levied against. Uh, so there's a bit more about about the charges he's facing here, some statement by the FBI, statement by the rest of the band, uh, pretty much distancing themselves from Schaefer without mentioning him. And by the looks of things, I get the feeling that he's the only original member left from pictures I've seen everyone else seems to be a lot younger than him so there may not uh, may not be much of an iced earth uh, without Schaefer which to be honest I don't know if anyone would really be uh, would, would miss out that much but I haven't really listened to them so I can't say that much but well if you weren't a fan now you'd have to be a very specific sort of person to now want to get into them Here's, uh, here's some more. Another article here. This one's by The Intercept. What you should know before leaking a Zoom meeting. So this one's, this one's quite, uh, quite important. Because as more things have been done over Zoom, at least one Zoom leaker has already been unmasked. A member of the New York State Assembly who apparently filmed his self-view while recording a dispute with the Democratic Assembly Conference over the renomination of the Speaker. That may sound careless, but a feature developed by Zoom will allow future leakers to expose even more of that sort of misstep. So this has a lot of good guides in it that you should really be uh, uh, mindful of if uh, where you work is talking about some pretty fucked up shit that maybe they shouldn't uh, in the Zoom call. Uh, the biggest, biggest things here in terms of the features, uh, there is a video watermark that they can put out, so if you're recording things 
through Zoom itself, it gets watermarked with your email address so they can track it back to you. And then an audio watermark. And this article goes into a bit more detail about that uh, audio watermark because we're not entirely sure what it is. It says here, it is not immediately apparent at what point Zoom injects its ultrasonic audio watermark into the audio stream, where this happens only if a meeting attendee presses the record button in Zoom, or if the audio stream is watermarked prior to that point. Nonetheless, when recording a Zoom meeting, it is best to avoid using Zoom's built-in recording option and to capture the meeting using a third-party audio-slash-video recorder. Zoom mentions that in order to identify the participant who recorded the meeting, they need at least two minutes of audio from the meeting, though it stands to reason that shorter snippets may also be identifiable if they happen to contain the audio watermark. So this just makes me wonder, say say you got uh, some recorded audio, uh, you put a high-pass filter on it and just took out a little bit to take the edge off so it doesn't really affect the audio quality, but gets rid of the extreme highs, would that filter it out? Surely, surely that wouldn't be so effective. But that's the first thing I'm sort of thinking of, you know, uh, being a, a podcast recorder who's got more plugins than he knows what to do with. Uh, the article goes on, though, uh, for more inadvertent source identification. Uh, that you have to be careful of things that can, say, like, uh, display an OS. Uh, so... Any, any giveaways, like whether you're on uh, a Mac especially, because perhaps you're in an organization where not everyone uses Macs, everyone's on Windows, that you want to watch out for that, because then they might be able to source that back to you a lot easier. If you're recording things from a phone, you could get a notification overlaid on the screen, which makes people even more aware of, of who was recording it. Uh, let's see what else they had here. Uh, Yes, the, uh, your partic participation in the meeting. Uh, so if uh, you're typing in the chat box, this might be used to identify things. Uh, if recording meetings with an exterior device, such as a phone camera, beware that your camera may be uniquely identifiable via defects such as unique smudges or scratch patterns on the lens, as well as a myriad of forensic techniques falling under the umbrella of source camera identification. So it says, for especially sensitive meetings, it is advisable to use a recording device solely acquired for purposes of conducting the recording of a specific meeting and to dispose of the device after the recording. So, important high-level shit. Uh, all we need now is a similar guide for Microsoft Teams, and we'll be set. And if you don't like the idea of all that, I'd say we can flip it on its head, and maybe if you don't want your your work meetings to be recorded and leaked, don't talk about illegal or unethical shit in them. If businesses do the right thing, they've got nothing to worry about. Okay, here's another one from SBS Australia. Western nations deeply troubled by arrest of Russian opposition leader Alexei uh, Navalny. So, this guy, putting it simply, he's been through some shit. As it says here, Mr. Navalny was uh, detained as he landed back on Russian soil on Sunday after spending five months in Germany recovering from nerve, nerve agent poisoning that he blames on the Kremlin. Prior to his arrival at Moscow's Shmemtyevo airport, I almost thought it'd be like Shmemty too. It's sorry, I'm not a I'm not a Russian speaker. Russian's prison service said the 44-year-old had violated parole terms from a suspended sentence on a 2014 embezzlement conviction. Now, this is why I highlight things 
because I jumped down to the next highlight. He's been jailed repeatedly in connection with protests and twice was convicted of financial misdeeds in cases that he said were politically motivated. Mr Navalny's latest attention has been condemned by governments around the world. So, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of condemnation. There's been a lot of protests uh, that even those uh, those arrests on embezzlement seem to be trumped up charges to try and uh, just to get him out of the way. But you got to admire the man for sticking to it. And I'll just round out here, as mentioned with the nerve agent, uh, Mr. Navalny fell into a coma while aboard a domestic flight from Sir Siberia to Moscow on the 20th of August. He was transferred from a hospital in Siberia to a Berlin hospital two days later. Labs in Germany, France and Sweden established that he was exposed to a Soviet-era Novichok nerve agent. So this guy... Just getting back from being treated by a nerve agent, the put him in a coma, has been arrested immediately, and this is after being thrown in jail a bunch of times for just trying to run in opposition to Vladimir Putin. Got to tell you, this guy, he really, he really just sticking at it. Uh, here's another one. This is a this is a big, not very pleasant article uh, from the Intercept. So I'll try, try run over this relatively quickly. Uh, Federal prison took nine months to investigate reality winner's abuse claim. So, this is the name of a woman. Her name is Reality Winner. This is part of why I included this one. That I remember reading about her, which must must have been years ago now, just because of that name, Reality Winner, that she uh, worked for the NSA. Uh, I, I read an article by The Register that I think she she almost like just literally stuffed some... I don't know if it was more of a metaphor when they said that she she stuffed some NSA data down her pants and smuggled it out of the office to alert the the media of uh, what was going on with the with the drone strikes that she had to transcribe. Coffee. So this is this is just really really fucking sucks. So I'll do the opening paragraph here. On New Year's Eve, Billy Winner Davis, the mother of National Security Agency whistleblower, a reality winner received a panic call from the Fort Worth, Texas prison where her daughter is serving a more than five-year sentence. Winner revealed to her mother that she had filed a sexual assault complaint in March under the Prison Rape and Elimination Act, or PRIA. The, ni- the months-old claim, though, had become nearly urgent. In December, uh, Winner told her mother, through tears, that the guard she accused of wrongdoing announced to her unit that Winner had filed a report and warned, if you lie on me... I go for blood. So this is this is the the guy that allegedly assaulted her and is to- telling all the other prisoners this in a public announcement. So of course she's worried about it, her mum's doing whatever she can to help her out. Uh in January and that is January of this year, uh, the prison did something it had not done in the more than 9 months since Winner filed her prior complaint. Send an investigator to interview her about the incident and, remarkably, a physician to examine her for signs of sexual assault. This is nine months after it happened. When? It's meant to happen 24 to 48 hours afterwards. Uh, yeah, as soon as their attention was brought around to this, they went through the protocol, Grinter said. That is the uh, Alison Grinter, the Dallas-based attorney running Winner's Clemency Claim. Uh, but of course, the protocol is designed and is almost entirely always done within 24, 48 hours of report. This is just totally outrageous. So, this is just a... Yeah, this is just really fucking sucks. 
Because, like, even this. Winnet is currently serving the longest prison sentence of its kind under the Espionage Act, a World War I-era law used in recent years to send journalist sources to prison, even as comparable defendants have simply gotten probation for mishandling classified information. And the government itself acknowledges that Winner's intent was to send the document she leaked to journalists and therefore warn the American public rather than use it for personal gain. The NSA report detailed phishing attacks by Russian military intelligence on local U.S. election officials and was published in a June 2017 article by The Intercept. And this mentions how The Intercept was also involved in funding her, uh, uh, her defense case. So... And yeah, even on on top of that as well, that, you know, COVID, big deal in the States, it's getting in jails everywhere, uh, there was an outbreak in her prison, she caught, she caught fucking COVID as well, and she's dealing with bulimia that's flared up uh, since since she was in jail, she, she was uh, dealing with that when she was working 12-hour days transcribing the, these drone, drone audio. And since she's getting no support and you know, feeling, you know, going through all this shit in jail, uh, uh, it's happening again. So the March incident that prompted Winner to file a prior report occurred around 3 a.m. during an overnight cell check that guards performed to make sure incarcerated people are in their beds, according to Grinter, who got an account directly from Winner. And this is probably an, another one of those things where they come to check on you almost as a way to, like, disrupt your sleep. So you're just always tired and have a shit time. So... Uh, let me continue on here. If guards cannot see a person, they may make a vocal command to get their attention. Uh, Winner told her attorneys that a guard reached into her bed and rubbed her arm. It's unclear what action, if any, prison administrators took after Winner filed her complaint. Federal Medical Center Carswell did not respond to email questions or a voicemail from the Intercept, and the Bureau of Prisons Public Affairs Office said it cannot comment on individual claims made by an incarcerated person. So... This is the this is the thing. This may not sound all that serious, but imagine you're in jail. The you're in this tiny room, only one way in or out, uh, and you wake up at three a.m. to there's some dude in your cell with you. He's got your arm on you. That there's not much you can do about that. That is waking up to that would be very confronting, and so she complained about it and. They've done nothing, just until recently, when there'll be no evidence. That it really shows that they have no interest in following it up. And the prison guard, who who was in her cell at the time, was informed and is making threats to everyone else in her cell block. So, the, the you should look into this uh, reality winner case. That it's really. It's it's up there with like Snowden and Assange and everything. We should we should do what we can to get her out. I, I was initially just kind of following it when I saw things come up because you know she does have a bit of an odd name, but this is a big deal. Uh, we, like this shit should not be allowed to happen. Now, moving on again, this one is from B and T dot com dot au. Kerry O'Brien rejects Order of Australia award as media scores as media greats score gongs. So this is uh, here, Kerry O'Brien, former host of ABC's Four Corners and the 7.30 Report, has rejected an Order of Australia award. O'Brien refused his Australia Day award in protest as former tennis great Margaret Court was elevated to a companion of the Order of Australia. Court has been criticised for her controversial statements on the LGBTQ plus community and same-sex marriage. This is, like, this is a bit more of a Chad move by 
by O'Brien. He initially accepted, uh, but then he changed his mind. Uh, and this, he rejected the honour in support of Canberra GP, uh, Dr. Clara Tuckmeng Su. Dr. Su was one of the first Australian GPs to undergo gender transition surgery. She was awarded an Order of Australia in 2016 for her work with members of the LGBTQ plus community with HIV positive people. On Saturday, Dr. Sue wrote to the Governor General to return her medal. And like this is this is a quote here from uh, Dr. Sue's letter that no one disputes Margaret Court's achievements in tennis. However, I'm sure that given the controversy surrounding Mrs. Margaret Court. The Council for the Order of Australia will be well aware of the derogatory and very hurtful remarks she has made about the LGBTIQ plus community. It's like this. We've got, we've got a doctor here who was one of the first people in Australia to, to undergo a gender reassignment surgery uh, and has worked with, with people in the community ever since. And then we've got someone who's just been really good at playing tennis. It just feels like a big disparity, I'd say, in importance and relevance and good on Dr. Sue for returning her medal, and fucking Chad move by Carrie O'Brien following suit there. That I really get the feeling that the Australian government at the moment, this is probably very much a, a Scotty-directed move of just a sort of plain outrage uh, culture politics shit with these awards, a bit like what Trump was doing. I feel like that's a very deliberate move that he's making, and uh, people are just uh, responding to it in, I guess, the right way and not, not giving an inch. I think he's just giving out these awards to piss people off, and they're having none of it. I've got, I've got two, two quick articles now to round things out that are a bit lighter. Both of these are by Kotaku Australia. First one here, speedrunners are beating Hitman 3's Dubai level in under 10 seconds. So... This one's this one's worth a watch. It's got the embedded videos of a, uh, is it Reek? Because uh, it's a uh, Reek and Doctor Lock Linus are both tied, completing the level in just nine seconds. It's got the the video embedded there, and really, for some reason, uh, IO Interactive had it that both your targets are sort of around the lobby at the start of the level, uh, right right in the beginning when you when you start playing. And so, yeah, if you're if you're quick on on the draw, you can cap both of them and then just run to the lift. But you know, this is this is Hitman, so I know that you're all wondering that if you wanted to go for the Silent Assassin rank, which is really the hardest one to get because you're meant to not not to kill anyone, pretty much not disturb anything, uh, only take out the targets without even them being discovered. Uh, that. It takes a whole eight seconds longer. Currently, uh, Goulet, it might be how it's pronounced, holds the world record in that category, using a technique that is similar to the above runs, but with a sniper rifle. By shooting around the level using a silenced rifle, they can distract the guards and NPCs, giving them a window to take out the targets before the bodies are spotted. So, there you go. I watched that one as well. And, look, they're impressive plays. Uh, you know, better than what I could do. And... Once you've run around, played the level, just imagine that you want to speedrun it and you realise that they're both just there and you can just shoot them in the head and run away. Here's another one. Australians just love being banned for betting on their CSGO matches. So, yeah, this is that uh, Australians love their competition and where there is competition, they'll be betting. Unfortunately, the message still hasn't gotten through locally with players racking up bans for betting on their own Counter-Strike Global Offensive matches. 
After seven Australians were banned for 12 months towards the end of last year, the Sports Integrity Commission has handed out their harshest penalties in professional CSGO to date. Uh, to go with the generation of coaches that were banned for abusing a spectator bug that would let them spy on opponents while the match was live, the ESIC has handed down a total of 35 bans. And out of those 35 bans, two players have had their bans from last year extended. And that it goes on to name all the, the people. Uh, some of them have been banned for up to five years, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, that from there, it's worth noting that the bans here are just for laying bets on the match, not for match-fixing itself. However, particularly given the nature of some of the games, ESIC thinks a future investigation is inevitable. So this it just seems to keep happening here in Australia. It's kind of funny. It just keeps going on and on. These, these people betting on their own matches. We, we had some skin gambling stuff here as well a while ago, I remember. That just... It almost feels like it must be oversimplifying things. You're like, just don't bet on your own matches. Stop, like, trying to cook shit. And just, just play CSGO properly. Which, I mean, there's still a lot of dog moods that you can do in CSGO. I downloaded it myself when I came back here to Melbourne and had to be in isolation for two weeks. Played it for a little bit. I just I don't find a whole lot of time to play video games. So. Not that I don't have the time, so I'm always just doing other things. Uh, it's still like uh, Counter-Strike Source, I remember from back then. Uh, I don't have, you know, I've got a laptop, so I don't have the gear to be able to run it properly. Every time someone pops up on screen, everything goes framey, and I die, or at least that's the excuse I'm using. Uh, so how about that? Just uh, don't don't bet on your own matches, and we'll leave it there.